Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where two friends get together and talk about the story behind the matches. I'm Matt. And I'm Michael. Welcome to episode 49, Halloween Havoc 1990. Terror rules the ring. I almost wanted to do like a warbly voice like a ghost. Terror rule. I can't know if I can do it. Like a Jello Biafra. You know who that is? I was thinking Count Dracula is what you're going for. Yeah, maybe. Maybe if I could mix Jello Biafra and Count Dracula. You know Jello Biafra? I have no clue who you're talking he about. He was the singer of the Dead Kennedys, but he has does that like his voice just like warbles like constantly. And it's not a good voice by any means, but it's like uh doesn't sound like it. That would annoy me actually. Probably. Yeah, I mean they were a punk band, they're supposed to be annoying. But uh they're honestly one of the bands where it's like if they they're one of the few punk bands that could totally get away with being instrumental, especially with some of the later material, because it's like some like really good, like aggressive, like cool almost like surfy like guitars and stuff like that but then he's sitting here like screaming about not screaming but like yell warbling about uh like political issues and stuff which is fun and cool but his voice is not good also anyway i can't do a jello biafra that's why there's only one jello biafra and uh terror still rules the ring in where are we halloween havoc 90s the second annual Havoc, produced by the WCW under the NWA banner. It took place on October 27th, 1990, at the UIC Pavilion in Chicago, Illinois. That's, uh, that's NWA territory, right? Yeah, we've been here many, many times. The uh, It'd be funny if Halloween Havoc was kind of like, I, I wanted to say SummerSlam, Survivor Series, where it's like, oh, well, we got Turkey Day, but... W City was like, we got Halloween. Halloween's cooler anyway, man. That's right, man. The attendance for the show was 8,000 people. Was it a sellout? No, I think the place holds like 10 or I don't know how big the venue is. It's hard to tell. It's all about the the room, really. It's like, well, do you know know what your audience is? And can you book the appropriate place? When you have 5,000 people in a 20,000 seat place, (laughs) you're you're going to make me cry on mic. The crowd can be great, but it doesn't look good. on TV. But if you have 8,000 people in a 10,000 seat arena... You can make it look good. You can make it look good. Yeah, or maybe it's 8,000 in an 8,000. Maybe it's 8,000 in... I think it's at least 10. Yeah. At least. Probably. But things that happened or came out around around oh, yeah, this yeah. time... Mm-hmm. What we consider the best worst movie... Oh, yeah. Troll 2 was released two weeks earlier. You know what's crazy? I haven't seen Troll 1. I don't know how many people have ever seen Troll 1. Haven't You don't need to see Troll 1 because it has nothing to do with Yeah, Troll I know 2. that. I haven't seen Troll 2. Seen the Troll 2 documentary like three times. You've never seen Troll 2? I've seen the documentary like three times. The documentary is really great. Best yes. worst movie. Yeah. I've seen but it like three worth, times. I don't watch many things three watching times. My whole actual, thing. It, it's yeah. so bad that it's good. Yeah, it's because they're sincere about it. Like bad movies that are trying to be that are sincere about being trying to be good 
are the best bad movies. When somebody tries to make a movie bad, like on purpose, it just never, it just never does it. So the Troll Two is one of those things. Like I've seen that documentary a bunch of times. Like I said, but watching movies like that is fun in a group. So I always put stuff off like that, and I'm like, oh man, I really want to watch this, but I don't, you know. I'm not 18 and I don't hang out with, you know, five friends at a time smoking weed watching television. So it's rare that I get a group of friends together to watch a bad movie. That's true. So I did watch it by myself when I saw it for the first time. Yeah. I wish I had had, had friends had a group before, of friends yeah. to watch it with. My whole thing is I just have a hang up. It's like I know I should just watch the thing. Because if I because if I just watch it, I'm still going to probably have fun. You uh, but it's yeah. definitely a group experience. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I save the romantic comedies for when I'm alone, and the troll so is for when I'm with my buds. Also, the Traveling Wilburys would release Volume Three the same weekend as the show. Is that the same? The last one? It's their second one. Yeah, and their last. One. I was gonna say there's only two. I didn't realize it was called Volume Three. Was the yes. first one called Volume One and Two? No, it was just called Volume One. That was just a, a bad joke. Okay. I mean, it's, well, I mean by them, it's, it's their bad. What they joke. like to do because yeah. they don't even consider they don't even call themselves by their real names. They they yeah, give themselves pseudonyms of the Wilburys in the band. Okay. I did not really realize that. I know some of the songs and like uh, somebody else that also does the warble thing in their voice. Roy Orbison is my like favorite singer of all time. He was not on this album uh, because he had he already pa- passed away. Have you ever seen Black and White Night? No. It's like a live Roy Orbison, like basically not too long before he dies, but it's a like black and white uh, or concert recorded in black and white and like you know he does a bunch of hits and like you know Tom Petty and Bruce Springsteen mm-hmm. and people come out and do songs with him uh, and it's great but he's it's, it's cool I mean but Roy Orbison is like kind of my kind of my guy he is your guy but I have not listened to enough of the Wilburys I've listened to them I just it was never one where it's like I can't do the record I can't be like put it on and be like oh I know every word to this not like I can with some Orbison, Tom Petty, and like all those guys solo, I can put on one of their records like I know 90% of the words to this record. I always find it funny to find out how people got into the Wilburys and usually it's one, yeah. Orbison or Clapton or maybe Harrison. I got in through Was Clapton in the Wilburys? Clapton was part of the Wilburys. Easily the least interesting of them. I got into them because I'm a big George Harrison guy. He was my favorite He's Beatle. Your Beatle, yeah. He was my Beatle. Yeah. Uh, I mean... Which there's... I mean, there are probably quite a few George also Harrison yeah. Beatle fans, but... But are all the guys on all of the records? Or are on, on both records? No. Uh, Roy, well, Roy Everson was on the first one. Jeff Lynne wasn't. Okay. But Jeff Lynne's on the second one. Volume yeah. three. Is Bob Dylan on both of them? Bob Dylan is on both of them. Yeah. And see, that's, that's probably the person that probably brings most people to... The Wilburys because he yeah. does sing most of the songs, especially on Volume Three. Yeah, but I'll, uh, maybe I'll, I'm not a maybe I'm not a Dylan guy. I'm but I love the Wilburys. a Dylan guy for like the first X amount of records, but then it's the same thing. Like I'm a huge Elvis Costello fan for like f- the first five records, but the first three I know every word to. And with Dylan, it's kind of one of those things. It's like I know like the first five or six records and a couple of them I know like the back of my hand. But then you look at the discography and there's like 40 more records and you're like, I don't know if I, well, I don't have time time. for this. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's like, I'm just going to take what I like and stay here. But it's usually that way for most people. It's like that first, 
first few things that yeah. you of when you get into someone are what mm-hmm. you consider the best. Like considering how long Bruce Springsteen has been recording, I really appreciate how small his discography is. <laughs> Cuz it's not the smallest, but it's not like Elvis Costello or Bob Dylan where they were just complete workhorses for so long where it's like could you just chill I'm gonna, out for I'm a little release bit? release an album this year. What year is it? I don't know. I'm just yeah. releasing out. So like, yeah, putting out like two records a year it feels like. Yeah. But let's get to that show that was the music corner <laughs> it was the music corner a creepy animated scene with a farmhouse ghost wrestlers gargoyles wrestlers and the logo are ghosts that come down the stairs mm-hmm. then we get jim ross and paul e dangerously you know how excited i was to the show i love bob Cottle, but we need some life behind those microphones we do i was Pretty excited about Paul E as well. Yeah, knowing knowing what he brings to the wrestling industry in the future, I was like, he in his character, he can probably he's going to give us some good comedy. I mean, he's definitely going to. It's like it's like oh well, he's going to rib Jr. Some I need that. Exactly. Jr. is too straight for Bob Cottle to be his other guy. Yeah. <laughs> so since it's Halloween, everyone's dressed up. Mm-hmm. Ross is dressed up as a mob boss. Is <laughs> I guess I don't. Yeah, I was like, wait, not everybody's dressed up. He was in a like a pinstripe suit. Yeah, I mean, kind of looked like a Chicago mob boss. That maybe that was his idea. And Paul E was dressed up as a vampire. Yes, very funny. But he very quickly had to take his teeth vampire out. teeth out yeah. because he couldn't talk with them no. in his mouth. And what is Paul E dangerous uh, without being able to talk? Exactly. Tony Schiavone is then on the stage dressed as the Phantom of the Opera. And this one looks awkward. (laughs) Poor Tony looking like a dummy. And he's there with Ricky Morton and Tommy Rich. Where's uh, where's old RG? Where's old Robert Gibson? Uh, Ricky lets us know that Robert Gibson is injured. He was injured by the Freebirds in in the previous couple weeks. Yeah. And he would be out for six to eight months. I don't like that at all. But then... Did, did you notice Morton, like, his hair? It, it, like, he had trimmed it up. He no longer had the mullet. Oh, did he Did he get rid of the mullet? I mean, it just wasn't all... It was... The, it he was got maybe it tr- was just slicked tr- back. Trimmed up. Yeah. I, I don't know, oh, but it was just like... Yeah. Like, when he first came on screen, I was all like, that's Ricky Morton? I was yeah, like, he did, yeah, he did the slick back thing. I think there's a few guys on maybe this show where they, like, kind of just, like, they'll have the mullet, but it's, like, slick back, so it's, like, almost the long hair is just, like contour with their neck yeah i mean i guess they were finally like oh we're in the 90s we shouldn't have let's let's attempt to be cool (laughs) yeah and then rich has this line Uh uh-huh says tonight's gonna be the greatest night of professional wrestling in in the the history history of wrestling wrestling. yep he did say that also it's halloween havoc there's pumpkins everywhere just you know setting the stage uh for the greatest night of professional wrestling in the history of wrestling and our first match in that greatest night is Ricky Morton and Tommy Wildfire Rich versus the Midnight Express of Ooh. Stan Lane and Bobby Eaton with Jim Cornette. Mm-hmm. The ropes on the ring are orange and black. The mat yes. is red. It sure is. It's like a it's like a burgundy, right? Yeah. I mean, at first I was like, is that orange? Is that red? If you're, orange, if you're colorblind, you might not be able to tell the difference. <laughs> it's orange, which both and I, both you and I are wearing orange right now. 
I felt like it was more accident. red than orange. What the the mat? Oh no, the mat. Yeah, the mat is red. Okay. The the ropes are orange. The ro- the ropes were orange and black. Yeah. But they had like you could tell that it was like electrical tape that they made like little black. Uh, you can see it <laughs> to wrap like, around the orange to, uh-huh. to give it that. Yeah. But yeah, Tommy Rich uh, also is doing the, the slick back hair uh, thing as well. Yeah. Yeah, and his, his he's all bleached, and it's like, all right, Tommy Rich, I guess you needed to try something. So the match gets started. We get a slow start until multiple hip tosses by Eaton on Morton. Ricky sends Bobby to the corner, charges in, but receives a back elbow for his troubles. Eaton then climbs to the top rope, but Morton catches him in the gut on the way down. Ricky running the ropes, Bobby with a leapfrog, the two men crisscrossing the ring until Morton slides under Eaton and then leapfrogs him, hitting a back body drop and a head scissors takedown right into an elbow to the head by Rich. This is what this is what the Midnight Express brings out in people. Two men brawling, and when Bobby gets a blind tag, tosses Ricky to the ropes and hits a back body drop into a power slam by Lane. Stan guillotines Morton on the top rope, followed by a clothesline, a drop toe hold with an elbow drop by Eaton. Ricky with the Irish whip charges in, but nobody's home, so he goes flying into the ring post. Posted. Beautiful Bobby with the right hand to knock Morton to the floor goes to the top rope for an axe handle, which he misses horribly, but Ricky <laughs> still sells it. Yeah, rough. I was like, ah, what did, did. All right. You know. Cornette helps out with a racket handle to the throat, a clothesline by Eaton before rolling back in to Savat and hook kicks by Sweet Stan. By the way, Jim Cornette might be dressed the most poorly he's ever been dressed. He's got like a purple like suit jacket on but like a bright red like dress shirt underneath it and like maybe like a big yellow tie he it's and they're all like straight like solid colors it is the most horrendous suit i may have ever seen in wrestling it's really good it's a really good look i hope there's an action figure of it because it's disgusting morton is tossed to the ropes comes back with a sunset flip but the ref is distracted by cornet on the apron so Eaton breaks up the cover. Corny doing his job. Bobby rakes Ricky's eyes across the top rope. Lane tosses Morton to the outside, followed by a body slam on the floor and another on the rampway, followed by a rocket launcher. <sighs> rocket launcher's cool, right? On the runway. On the runway. It's not just a ro- regular rocket launcher. It's on the runway. That's got to be harder than the mat. That's like all the apron. Yeah. It's all apron, baby. As Ricky is tossed into the ropes, Sweet Stan does the cabbage patch. <sighs> yes, I said I'll does a little dance, and then I was like, wait, that's the cabbage patch. Followed by a jackknife pin attempt for a two count. Lane goes for a body slam, but Morton floats over, goes for the O'Connor roll, but a blind tag to beautiful Bobby hits a stunner and a slingshot backbreaker. Mm-hmm. Sweet Stan has Ricky draped over the second rope and another cornet racket shot to the throat. Lane then dumps Morton to the outside, where Eaton runs him into the ring post, falls in, but Ricky moves for beautiful Bobby to hit the post as well. Post it. Morton then hits (laughs) another head scissors takedown on Eaton, but Cornette kicks him to keep him down. Back in the ring, Lane goes for a body slam, but Ricky with the inside cradle for a two Mm. count. Sweet stand with a doggy style headbutt. Eaton with the body slam goes to the top rope for the Alabama jam, but instead of covering, beautiful Bobby wants a ten count 
But Morton is up at eight. Yeah, which is dumb. And Jr. trying to like put over the fact that it, like he's like trying to sell the no cover spot. And I'm like, just cover the man. What is the point here? There's no stipulation. I was like, that took me out of it a little bit. Yeah, it was like, like as soon as he did that, I was like, okay, we well, we know who's winning this match. Yeah. Also, like you know what would have been great while you were just covering this match that roll up. Imagine everything we just saw. That roll up for the pin. Fucking nice quick fucking tag at the end and it's just like hot and he's like oh my god it was surprise pins still warrant rematches i feel like even though they're like clean in the ring it's just like caught him on a bad night just saying well we'll find out soon why they didn't do that <laughs> lane with lots of kicks goes to slam ricky's head into the turnbuckle but morton blocks and reverses but stand with the eye rake to regain control Ricky fires up with right hands but can't make it to his corner as Lane hits a body slam and another rocket launcher, but Morton gets his knees up. You knew the second rocket launcher wasn't going through, right? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Ricky crawls to the corner to make the hot tag. Rich in with right hands to both expressmen, body slam on Eaton, Thez press on Lane, but Bobby breaks up the pin. All four men are brawling, wildfire with the body slam on Stan, Goes to the top rope, but Cornette nails him with the racket to knock him to the mat. Which where, I don't know if, I assume this line is probably from uh, Polly, but he calls him the Andre Agassi of pro wrestling. It's a good line. It is a good line. The Southern boys all of a sudden come out dressed as Cornette. Yeah. With plastic rackets, Mm -hmm. bad suits. Very bad suits. Beer bellies. Yes. They pull Jim off the apron where he drops the racket into the ring. Uh Uh-huh. What do they think they're going to do with that? Morton with the back body drop of Eaton to the rampway. Uh-huh. Lane knocks down Rich right where the racket was. Oh, my gosh. So Wildfire picks it up oh and God. wallops Sweet Stan for the pin and, and the, the win. win. This would be the last time the Midnight Express would be on a pay-per-view as Cornette and Lane would leave the company. Oh, man. I liked uh, the Ricky Morton with the drop fist to keep Bobby Eaton away for the pin. Yeah. That was a very nice little touch. We then go to the stage. The Phantom, I mean, Tony Schiavone's there with Sting. (laughs) Sting says, I got a lot on my mind with Sid and Black Scorpion. I don't want Sid to make the mistake of letting his butt overload his his you-know-what. I mean, his mouth overloading his (laughs) you-know-what. No, I don't know what you mean, Sting. I know how big Sid is, but I'm psyched and ready to go. He is pretty psyched. Sting, uh... He's so psyched that he messed up his life. Yeah, uh, he's so psyched that, like, he might have a nosebleed later. The Black Scorpion then comes out on the stage behind them with his voice coming over the speakers. Black magic. I want to show you a sample of my black magic. (laughs) Is that your bane? It's kind of baney. Yeah, sure. It's good. I like it. It was a better voice than what came over the speakers. Uh, yeah. Scorpion then grabs a young girl. She's got, she's an employee. She's got the WCW shirt on. So I think she's like. A PA. She's working. She's, uh, she might be the, you know, popcorn lady. He takes her over to an apparatus that's on the stage and does a disappearing act right as Steen makes it. It is a super whack disappearing act because he covers them with. Like it's like a, like a tiny stage with a big sheet in front of it, 
And then the sheet drops. Raises the sheet. And they're both gone. But the sheet's, like, there for a while. The sheet lowers, and it's obvious that they just, like, walked, walked out away. Yeah, it's like, and... it's not magic. Then the scorpion and the girl walk back out on the stage that Sting was originally on. Yeah. The girl escapes. like they had a golf cart that, like, ran him around or something. The girl <laughs> escapes, jumps into the Stinger's arms off oh, the stage. He does catch her. As a scorpion runs away. That does happen. And Tony, JR, Polly are all confused at what just happened. They're freaked out about all this black magic. Dangerously, he's like, you can't be in two places at once. That ain't, that ain't right. right. It's like they weren't in two places at once. Didn't you, weren't you just, he just watching? He just walked like, around. Yeah, he's in one place. And then, you know, they like gave him like a five-second start. It was like... It was like a uh, hide and seek. They, they did they did like a, a really quick hide and seek, and then like uh, then they dropped the curtain, and he was somewhere else. It was very bad. It was very funny. <laughs> it was very bad. And <laughs> so the network, uh-huh. WWE Network, actually has the edited version of Halloween Havoc '90. Yeah. On it, so it is missing four matches from the show. Three of the matches have, were the next three matches on the show. So I'll just run through them real quick. Terry Taylor beat Wild Bill Irwin. Oh, cool. Well, good I'm, for Terry Taylor. Good for Terry Taylor. Glad I didn't have to watch that. <laughs> Candyman Brad Armstrong beat J.W. Storm. Who's that? J.W. Storm was the silencer from Maximum Overdrive. Who? Exactly. <laughs> like I said, I know like I said last week, Maximum Overdrive didn't are. stick around very long. Yeah, J.W. Storm. Better name than the silencer, and then the Master Blasters, which is Iron and AKA Kevin Nash. He had a new tag team partner, Pre Nash. Instead of Steel, he had Blade, and they beat the Southern Boys. <gasps> no, in which Cornette would get his revenge for interfering in the Midnight Express match. Okay, that's you know. So it's a little bit of smaz yeah. why they lost. So yeah, yeah, it, that's fine. But the, as I just said, Cornette and Stan Lane are gone, so it's not like the Southern Boys are going to get their revenge. Yeah, also, I mean, well, they did cover the, they came out. Well, they took Cornette, but now Cornette's done something to them uh, to make them yeah. lose a match. So they, blah, blah, blah. they're just trading heat, Yeah, now for, the Southern Boys can't get their heat back. So we're off to the fifth, fifth match of the show. Second fifth match? Second fifth match. We got the Renegade Warriors. Uh, who might that be? Of Chris and Mark Youngblood versus the fabulous Freebirds of Michael P.S. Hayes and Jimmy Jam Garvin with Little Richard Marley. What a weird name. But wait a second here. The Renegade Warriors mm-hmm. of Chris and Mark Youngblood. Yes. And they're not the Youngbloods? Correct. What's a better name? The Renegade Warriors, or the Youngbloods, who are at least work brothers, and potentially shoot brothers. They're shoot brothers. Oh my god. That might, that might be a work last name. Which name's more PC? The what one you, with wait, the word what? blood in it? What do you mean? Or the name Warrior, who's the champion of WWF, putting it in their name. Which one's better? Well, Young Bloods is always better. I am Renegade Warriors is a dumb name. I don't have a time machine to go tell. I'm sorry. I know, but I was just like, what? That's so weird. Speaking of time machines, uh-huh. the last time we saw Mark Youngblood 
was at Starcade 1983. All the way back. <laughs> episode episode one. Where it all started. Who did who did he have the pleasure of um, of tagging with? <laughs> yeah, I imagine tagging with Wahoo. Oh, okay. Man, nope. I would kind of like to watch some like prime Wahoo matches from territory. So I'm sure I can find him. But I mean, he's Wahoo McDaniel. It's like, but I've only ever seen him be like you know kind of. And even these like old guys on their way out at like Starcade '83 and stuff. They're still probably like fucking 38, 36, 37. But Wahoo McDaniel was by no means a, uh, he was a physical specimen, not of the athletic type. At least not by the time we were watching it. No. <laughs> no. At least didn't look, didn't have the, the, the look of an athlete. No. JR breaks kayfabe a little bit, telling mm. us that Rocky King, who is Marley's Marley. real name, Yeah, is wearing Gibson's tights to mock him after the Freebirds put him on the shelf. It's a good storytelling there, yeah, yeah. even if it's not going to pay off for like eight months. JR then tells us the Warriors wanted this match because the Freebirds hurt their friend Alan Iron Eagle. I don't know who that is either, but he, sure. Alan, least, yeah. Alan least, Iron Eagle kind of rolls off the tongue. Maybe he was part of the Renegade Warriors, and that's why they didn't call him the Young Bloods. <laughs> they were like a whole faction. Yeah. So the match gets started. Hay starts off with some strutting and moonwalking. Mm-hmm. Like only uh, he can do. Mark rams PS's head into the turnbuckle, hits a back body drop, massive chops on both Freebirds, until Chris then flies off the top rope with a double clothesline on them both as well. Mm-hmm. Mark with a hip toss on Hayes as Paul E. and Jr. bicker at each other over Rob Gibson's injury. Oh, it's a it's a good back and forth, and like Jr. is like Robert Gibson is my friend, and I'm just like ah, and it just felt good. I was like, thank you, Jr. for like adding some emotional weight and not some football statistics. It really means a lot to me. Garvin goes for a hip toss, but Mark blocks and reverses into one of his own. Jimmy Jam tosses Chris to the ropes, ducks his head, allowing Youngblood to leapfrog him and lock on a headlock, which Garvin escapes with an eye rake. But Chris goes for an O'Connor roll, but is kicked off right into a left jab from Hayes on the apron, which Jimmy Jam follows with a back suplex and tosses Chris to the floor. P.S. with chops on the floor, Little Richard joins in with a few strikes of his own. Back in the ring, Garvin with a snapmare into a chin lock. But Chris fires up, but Jimmy Jam takes him right back down with a knee lift. Hayes follows with a falling fist and goes right back to the chin lock. Chris escapes with elbows. Irish with a PS who makes a blind tag, but Youngblood doesn't see it, so he locks a sleeper onto Hayes. But Garvin hits him across the head to regain control. It's a good, good, old, good old heel work, baby. Heel tags. The Freebirds begin choking Chris across the second rope. Jimmy Jam with a body slam. Crowd cheering for a DDT. DDT. Hayes gets a boot to the face as he comes in. And Chris fights out of the corner. But P.S. slams his head into a turnbuckle. And a snapmare into a chin lock. And we get our 15 minute call. So we know this match is even edited down. <laughs> it's one of those things where like, oh yeah, I guess you're right. This was not 15 minutes. The, yeah, I always make note of the calls because for the longest time we'd only get calls if, and we're like oh well obviously it's getting to a thing but they're more consistent with them and have been consistent with them but I mean, sometimes it's the first time we've gotten a call probably in, in quite some time really chris reverses an irish whip but ducks his head 
allowing Hayes to grab him for the DDT. But Youngblood powers out with a back body drop. Garvin jumps in to stop the tag, slams Chris's head into the turnbuckle, and throws him to the outside where Hayes hits the quick left jab. Oh, that cheap shot. Jimmy Jam with the body slam, jumping elbow drops by P.S. and back to the chin lock. Paul E. slips in to a John Lovitz impression as J.R. calls him a liar. <laughs> yeah, that's the ticket. Oh, uh, what is that? That's... It was an SNL. That's SNL, still. yeah. I was, like, I was like, what is what John Lovitz? What was the cartoon that he did? Uh, the, critic? the Critic? Yeah, that's good shit. Chris escapes again, running the ropes and hitting a crossbody on P.S. for a two count. And what move does Hayes go back to? That's right. A chin lock. I know. I know what it is. P.S. hits a body slam, goes up to the top rope, but Chris meets him with a press slam and rolls over for the absolutely so, no reaction uh, from the crowd tag. It's the, uh, it's like the not even the, it's not even a lukewarm tag. It's, what kind of, what can we call this here? A, it was uh, literally no reaction. How's this? A, a cold, cold soup tag? It's like nobody wants it. <laughs> like, everyone has checked out of this match. Yeah, and maybe it's because like I can't imagine the 15 minute call. It wasn't 15 minute call, but my re- review of this match is uh, well, I don't know if I want to say it right here. Should I say it right here? Reverse chin lock the match. Yeah, <laughs> it's reverse chin lock the match. I mean, that's what the Freebirds do, and yeah. then you put them in there with they get the two heat. guys that are not talented enough to be able to pick the Freebirds up out mm-hmm. of that. Yeah, I mean, the, the Freebirds can drives. get the heat, but like they can't. They they gotta they gotta have people flying around them. Exactly. Marks in with back body drops on both Freebirds, chops to the head, double noggin knocker, double clothesline by Chris. Stereo mounted punches. Yes, I love all. I love stereo anything. Little Richard is climbed up on the apron when Chris slingshots him into the ring and begins stalking him into the corner. Hayes comes from behind, but Chris turns in time to give him a chop to send him to the floor. Garvin reverses an Irish whip, goes for a back body drop on Mark, who floats over and goes for an O'Connor roll, but the ref is dealing with Chris and Marley. So P.S. runs in, gives the DDT. For Jimmy Jam to make the cover for the pin and, and the win. Chin lock the match. And in too long, love that finish. Because, like, I don't know if how you said it really points out what's happening, right? Because mm-hmm. he does the, he's like, he's got him rolled up. Yeah, so Mark, Mark does the o- O'Connor roll. O'Connor roll. And so he has him, like, rolled like up. He, he's, like, has him down. And then... P.S. Comes, comes in and, and just like, grabs him as he's, he's leaning over. He's, yeah, he's folded over on top of him for the pin and then pulls down the DDT, and it looks incredible. And then it's like one of the – we've seen some great finishes in these sh- in these shows most whenever matches, there is a finish. Most matches we complain that the match is good and the finish is bad. Oh, my God. Or that the match is bad and the finish is good. Yes. This is one of those. Yes. The finish is good, the match is bad. The ma- Yeah, it's like, oh, like the the – they don't have the like chemistry to keep you interested, and it's one of those things like that finish, a finish that is that smart and works that way, can happen at any time. Mm-hmm. If it happened like eight minutes in, it, yeah. the crowd would have popped, yeah. but not. It's got to be over fifteen minutes. This match must have been twenty minutes long. I want to say it was probably at least fifteen. Well, we had a 15, fifteen minute call. <laughs> like I had, so yeah, I don't know. True. I don't know how long it went from there. 
Tony Schiavone's then on the stage with the horsemen. It was and 17 minutes. You nailed it. Arn spe- uh, he's speaking to Doom as, they ha- as he has a match with them later on in the night. If you want to duck out the back door, the life you save might be your own. Good line. And then Flair's like, we're winning all the gold tonight. Hell yeah. Sid says, it's Halloween and the trick is to get out alive. Also a good line. And they're all four horsemen forever. But where's Barry Windham? I wonder where he is. (laughs) Maybe we'll find out later on. So we're off to our sixth match. The Nasty Boys of Jerry Sags and Brian Nobbs yes. versus the Steiner Brothers, yes. Rick and Scott, for the NWA United States Tag Team Championship. I'm already kind of pumped for this because I like the Nasty Boys like, we debut. We love the Steiners. And we love the Steiners, and I was like, mm. And you know what made it even better? Nasty Boys versus Big Strong Boys. What made it even better? What? It's Halloween. So there's a guy in the crowd in a Frankenstein mask. Oh, it's because they're the Frankensteiners tonight. With a shirt that says, I've been Steinerized. Was the shirt made by him? Yes. Okay. I didn't see the the mask. I didn't catch the shirt. I was like, that's a perfect costume. Yeah. I love it. It's so good. I feel like that may be my Halloween costume. I mean, I've been been Steinerized recently. It's It's been going on for a while. I was a big Rick boy. And now, and then, boy. and then Scott shows up, and, and you're like, and I'm like, man, Rick wasn't the good one of this group. Hey, you leave my baby alone. <laughs> I'm still, and Rick's still more over at this point with the wolves and stuff, but it's my probably because he's been around longer. Probably, but I mean, I don't know. Scott, Scott basically has the finishers for all the matches at this point. Yeah, yeah, like and he does the baby, and he's Rick, the baby Rick, face in peril, and then he does. Yeah, the no, Rick is the Rick is the hot tag for sure. Yeah, and like, but he's good as the hot tag because he's already, he's the dog face gremlin. He already had the some notoriety, and he's obviously not as physically impressive as his brother, which is kind of crazy because he's still a fucking monster. That's true. But his brother's a real Steiner. Uh, he's his brother has been Steinerized. So the Steiners are walking out. And then they get halfway down the ramp, and they start running into the ring to attack the Nasty Boys. Yes. You gotta get that, those hot starts, man. Scott with a tackle to take Sags to the floor. Rick and Nobbs brawling in the middle of the ring before going to the outside as well. Mm-hmm. Paulie tells us that the Nasty Boys had laid the Steiners out a month ago in this very building. Scott rams Sags' head into the ring post, goes to throwing, but Jerry reverses, sending Steiner into the guardrail. Sags grabs a chair, hitting Scott over the back of the head. Jerry has dragged Scott back into the ring and puts him on the top rope to attempt a superplex. But Steiner floats over and hits a top rope belly-to-belly uh, suplex on Sags. Goes for the cover, but Nobbs breaks up the pin. Fucking wonderful pop. It was the second rope, though. Jerry goes to slam <laughs> Scott's head into the turnbuckle, but is blocked and reversed, but a back elbow by Sags keeps him in control. Scott's tossed the ropes, ducks Jerry's clothesline, who then ducks his head, allowing Steiner to hit a tiger driver. Oh, man. Rick goes to the top rope while Scott picks up Sags into an electric chair for Rick to hit a top rope bulldog. Scott mm. goes for the cover, but Nobbs is in with a chair to break up the pin, but the ref never sees it mm. as he is getting Rick out of the ring. Brian then goes for the cover, but Scott kicks out. Oh, gosh. 
Knobs with a side slam, power slam, throws Scott to the floor where Sags comes off the apron with a knee drop. Mm. Jerry hits a pump handle slam. Yes. Headbutts to the back, a gut wrench suplex, goes for a cover, but Rick makes a save. I know. There was like the, that pump handle slam I popped for, and there was like no crowd popping. I was like, what are you talking? Come on, where are you at, guys? Are you not watching the match I'm watching? You're in the, ra- you're in the, you're in the building. Knobs with an ab stretch to continue to work on Scott's back, using the tights and sags for mm-hmm. leverage. But Rick finally comes in to break it up. Jerry with an elbow drop locks on a bear hug, but Scott escapes with a belly-to-belly suplex. Belly-to-belly uh, over belly-to-back all day. Knobs runs in to stop Scott from tagging, so Rick comes in to hit a Steiner line. Ooh. Tries for a second one, but Brian ducks, and Rick goes flying over the ropes to the floor. It was weird because it's like I don't know if he was trying for another Steiner line or a crossbody because he knew he was going over. So I was like, was he overselling the Steiner line or was he actually going for a crossbody? You know, just uh, just yeah, working myself into a shoot, brother. The Nasties hit a spike pile driver uh, on Scott. It looks awesome. Sags goes for the cover, but the ref admonishes. Knobs to get to his corner, allowing Rick to jump in the ring to hit Jerry with a chair. Scott then hits a back suplex, and we see that Sags' forehead is cut. It's crazy, like, faces doing heel shit just all the time. But I guess it's one of those things where it's like, oh, the heels are these big bad guys, and, like, the baby face has already been screwed over, so they just have to do bad stuff. But is that really... I mean, the Nasty Boys brought the chair in first. So they're just yeah, kind of that's true. The... Yeah, yeah. It's like retribution and stuff, but it's all, yeah, true. They're true not enough. cheating to win. True enough. JR then delivers the single worst possible wrestling slogan. This is world championship wrestling. It is man on man action. Yes, that's true. It's the single worst one. <laughs> I mean, like, a, it is man on man action. The Nasty Boys are able to bank the tag as Brian comes in to cut off Scott from making a tag as well locking on another bear hug and backing Steiner into a corner. Hitting shoulder blocks, Irish whip to the opposite corner, charges in, but Scott gets a boot up. Yes. Sags applies a Boston Crab as Paul E. mentions that the blood isn't even bothering him. Yes. Also good. Scott's able to power out of the Boston Crab, but again the Nasty Boys keep him from making that tag with Knobs locking on a camel clutch. Mm-hmm. Scott powers up to drop Brian to the mat, averted atomic drop on Sags, but Jerry slams his head on a turnbuckle, and Irish whips Steiner to the corner. A double-team Irish whip sends Knobs in with a splash, but Scott moves and charges out with a Steiner line on Sags. Scott crawls to his corner for the Molten Lava Tag! Oh my gosh, it's, uh, this is what hot tags are supposed to be. The crowd is... So hot, right? like of course they are, but like it's we all know that like a hot tag is basically always like clothesline, clothesline, then what? You, Back you, body drop. Yeah, yeah. It's always finishing move. Finishing. It, move. It's always the same, and like unless it's earned, it gets like pretty whatever. But when it's earned, you can do the same thing every time. Right hands, Steiner lines, double noggin knocker, knocker to both nasties, a belly-to-belly suplex yes. on knobs, My goes gosh. for the cover, but Sags breaks it up with an elbow drop. Scott Ooh. with mounted punches on Jerry, but Sags' back body drops him over the ropes to the outside. 
Jerry then charges in with a knee to Rick's back before the Nasties toss him to the outside. But Rick climbs to the top rope, yes. coming off with a flying double Steiner line uh, on the boys. It's so sick, and the crowd's booing the Nasties, and it's just so good. The Nasties roll to the outside to double body slam Scott, get back in the ring to double team Rick, where they toss him to the ropes, charge in with a double clothesline. Mm. But Rick ducks, and Scott grabs their feet to knock them both down. Scott a then fun drags little, little foot grab. Scott then drags Sags out to the floor and runs him into the ring post. Posted. While Rick hits a Steiner line on Knobs in the ring. Scott then tosses Brian to the ropes to hit a Frankensteiner for the pin. And the, and the win. win. This is great. Watch it twice. It's a very fun match. Post-match, while the Steiners are celebrating, the Nasty Boys attack them from behind. Tossing Rick to the floor and tosses the ref down. The Nasty Boys then double whip Rick into the ring post multiple times before leaving ringside. It's great. This is this is like kind of a long match, but it earns every minute of it. I agree. It's like, oh yeah, you could talk about length, but you can't. You've got a inhuman it's, person. It started off hot. It kind of slowed in the middle, but, but that that's was for the tag. That was the baby face in peril, and yes. you need that because they did a good job of keeping Scott from. Well, Scott, Scott, and they and they kept putting different moves. Well, on. they never they put they never made Scott like so far like where it's like oh he's got to be done like he still would get the one shot he get the boot up and then like and then he couldn't get back on the offensive like but it was always it was still interesting it wasn't Chinlock City. And every time he got the boot up, I was like, I was like, all right, he's gonna get some offense in, so we can get that tag, right? Like I was invested because it was an incredibly smart wrestling match. This is where the other match on the network is edited out as yes. Junkyard Dog Aww, would I'm... beat Moon Dog Rex. I don't know Moon Dog Rex. I've seen some Moon Dogs. We've seen Moon Dog Spot. Yes. Back, back at the wrestling classic, mm-hmm. which Junkyard Dog beating there. <laughs> yeah, that's not so Rex. He, so he gets to complete the Moon Dog destruction. Destruction of the Moon Dog. Exactly. <laughs> we then go to the stage. Tony Schiavone's there with Scott Steiner, and Scott says, "Nasty boys, you bit off more than you can chew." And all of a sudden, some concession workers are behind them. Yeah, we. I was like, "Is there any security in this place?" I don't know. I mean, like. Black Scorpion just shows up on stage, grabs a PA. Stealing girls. Concession worker just climbs on the stage. But then this worker slams his popcorn and Coke tray into Scott. And then he and Nob start beating him down. Mm -hmm. Oh, the concession worker was Jerry Sachs. Yeah, That that makes more sense. There's some very big concession boys. (laughs) Nob's then yells, the war has just begun. Yeah, and Polly is pumped on it. He's loving Which, every moment of this. Uh, is great, and I appreciate him. So we then go to our eighth match. The four horsemen of Ric Flair and Arn Anderson. Well, that's only two horsemen, Matthew. But they're the four horsemen. I mean, there's two of them here. But they're never called the two horsemen. Just call them the horsemen, Ric Flair and Arn Anderson. Okay, that'll work. Versus Doom of Ron Simmons and Butch Reed with Teddy Long for the NWA World. Tag Team Championships. Hell yeah. You remember when Doom showed up and they had masks on? It's like... So uh, long ago. Uh, and so glad that they got rid of that. Yeah, it was like, why masks? These guys are 
big badasses. Just let, and they got like big old good mean faces. Let them be big badasses. JR puts over Arn as the greatest tag team wrestler in the sport. Yep. JR loves Ar- I mean we we all like Arn Anderson. We all love Arn Anderson, but I want him to be my granddad. Yeah. I don't know if he I think he's old enough to just be my dad, but I'll take him as my dad. Yeah, too. yeah. I know you're uh, a big Arn fan, but the more JR likes him, the less you like him. No, it's not like that, but I'm just like get out of here, JR. He probably only likes him because he scored like a touchdown once in an Speaking OU of game. football. Oh my God. Why did I say it? He then puts over the football accomplishments of Ron Simmons and Butch Reed. Oh yeah. But how, why does he love Arn so much if Arn's not a big football boy? Because he's fucking Arn Anderson. I know. I know. But he's, enforcer. He's great. I love him. Spinebuster. I get it. He's a horseman, man. I love Arn's uh, selling, which we'll probably see some here. Let's find out. Ron uses his power to continually take down Anderson until Double A hits a few shoulder blocks. Goes for the big left hand, but Simmons ducks and delivers a right hand of his own to also, knock him to the apron. if Doom loses, I riot. Just saying. I would be very upset if uh, Doom were why, to lose Why do you hate Arn Anderson? I don't hate Arn Anderson. It's just like, yo, it's Ric Flair and Arn Anderson. That's not even a tag team. Like, they're it's horsemen. Gonna, they're going to be great, but it's fucking Doom. Don't do this to Doom this early. Let Doom rule. It's the fucking horsemen. Though. Let Doom continue to rule. It's horsemen too early. Rule. Too early. To... Yes, they do. Four horsemen forever. Yeah. I mean, like, how many horsemen have there been, though? Like 16. Yeah, okay. Well, there's only been two Dooms. Doom 1 and Doom 2. You know the horsemen that matter? Ric Flair and Arn Anderson, who are in this match. And, like, Ole and Wyndham, right? I don't fucking care about them. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, these are the good ones. Arn goes for the vertical suplex, but Ron reverses to bring Anderson back into the ring with a suplex of his own, followed by falling headbutts. Double A tosses Simmons into a knee from Flair on the apron, followed by a suplex, but Simmons no-sells and starts throwing right hands. Irish whip into a Butch Reed knee and a power slam and a cover, but Flair breaks it up. The horsemen begin to double-team Ron with chops. Irish whip goes for a double clothesline, but Simmons overpowers them with a double clothesline of his own to send both horsemen out of the ring. Woo! Nature Boy starts chasing Teddy Long around the ring until they're both in there, where Teddy slaps Flair Ugh. and then woos at him. It's so good. Thank you, Peanut Head. I never knew Teddy Long had such balls. Natch and Reed in the ring where Flair begins. He's got peanuts. <laughs> <There you laughs> Nash and Reed in the ring where Flair begins pounding on Butch in the corner. Paul E. tells us that Ric Flair is not out of his element in a tag team match as he is a three-time tag team champion. He's just going back to his roots. Good stuff, JR. It was Paul E. Oh, sorry. Thank you, Paul e. This is the kind of stuff that I want. Exactly. Not Burt Reynolds here, football player talk. Nature Boy with a chop, but that fires up Butch, who fires out with lefts, rights, a military mm. press. Arn comes in, but Simmons military presses him. Yes. Reed with mounted punches on Flair, a hip toss, a clothesline. Every time Natch throws a chop, Butch comes firing back with right hands. Flair goes for the tag, but does the flare flop instead. Rolls to the wrong corner. Ugh, the flare flop, this is, he really timbers. It's pretty great. Rolls to the wrong corner where Reed Irish whips him to the opposite for the flare flip right into the cameraman. Oh, yeah. And it's then a good. right hand and stomps from Simmons on the rampway. 
like this is kind of like outside of Steiner's like it's really a treat to see Ric Flair selling for Doom. Yeah. It's good. I like it's... it. Nature Boy chops Ron, who no-sells multiple times. Simmons tosses Flair back into the ring, who then rolls into the floor to stop the momentum. Double A gets a high knee from Reed. Doom with a double clothesline on Arn. Ron with the Irish whip but ducks his head, allowing Anderson to hit an elbow to the back of the neck. Arn then locks on a Boston Crab, while Flair hits a running knee drop mm. on Simmons. That's the, that's the good shit. The horsemen start working on his back with axe handles, chops, quick tags. Spine buster for the pin. No. And no. no, no. Ron presses Arn off of him. Pretty heavily from what I uh, would imagine here. Flair's working on the leg as well with a shin breaker. Double A grinding away on the knee. Nature Boy hits a back suplex. Locks on the figure four using <sighs> Anderson as leverage. No. Boo. Reed keeps coming in to let the ref know what's happening, which allows Arn to jump in and stomp on Simmons as well. Ron's finally able to roll the submission over, forcing Flair to break the hold. Yes. Anderson comes in to continue working the knee, but Simmons starts firing back, missing a drop kick as Double A holds onto the ropes. We get a test of strength to try to get the three count by Anderson, but then he attempts a pump splash, but Ron gets his knees up. Hell yeah, Ron. The horsemen recover, continue to work on Simmons, tossing him to the floor, where Flair tries to ram Ron's head into the guardrail, but is blocked and reversed. That's what you get, man. Simmons back to the apron, hits a shoulder block, comes into the ring with a sunset flip on Arn, but Anderson makes the tag before he is pulled over. Ron's tossed the rope, ducks a nature boy clothesline, comes back with a flying clothesline of his own, but Double A is up to stop Doom from tagging. Anderson tosses Simmons to the rope, ducks his head, allowing Ron to faceplant Arn, and Simmons crawls over to make the hot tag. Come on, butchie boy. Reed with right hands, drop kick, flying shoulder block mm. to Flair. He goes for the cover, but double A breaks up. Natch drags Butch to the floor while Simmons and Anderson brawl in the ring. Flair attempts to slam Reed's head into the guardrail, but is blocked in reverse. Uh, again, Flair. Why are you trying to move these big boys' heads into poles? Arn goes for a pile driver but can't quite lift him, allowing Butch to climb to the top rope, who comes off with a flying shoulder block, makes the cover, but again, Flair breaks up the pin. Mm, I love that the that like the smaller guys, the horsemen, are not like they're not kicking out. They're just being saved. Yeah, That's wrestling, damn it. Simmons with a big right hand sends Natch to the floor. Butch goes for a body slam, but Anderson floats over, hits a DDT, oh my God. makes the cover, but Ron breaks that up and goes for a cover of his own, but Arn gets the shoulder up. And the thing is, is they still protected the DDT here. They did. A move that, you know, other people use. All four men are brawling in the ring. Double A and Simmons go to the outside. Flair Irish whips Reed, but Butch charges out with a clothesline. Ron slams Arn's head into the guardrail, but Anderson retaliates with an eye rake and a head slam of his own. Natch then rolls out of the ring to come help Double A, and now all four men are brawling on the outside when the bell rings, and both teams are counted out. Bum, bum, bum. I get it. I knew when Flair was in there that, like, that they if they pinned Doom, that's why I was like, they pinned Doom, I fucking riot. 
That's bullshit. I can see Flair being like, oh, well, they're not going over me. And, like, I can I mean, see Anderson. Flair's, Flair's not going to take that pin. It'd be no, Anderson's I mean, I know. I'm saying, but, like, yeah, I think that he's even, like, yo, even Anderson's not taking the pin, which Anderson was born to take pins. That's his legacy in wrestling is to be great and take pins, right? I don't know how many <laughs> pins he actually ever takes. I don't Because <laughs> there's too many schmazzes? Pretty much. There, uh... There is a good JR line whenever Ron Simmons gets his uh, knees up, and I think that maybe he hits A in the lower bread basket, yeah. but uh, JR says that'll certainly change your social status, which I thought was a very, very weird, like bizarre and funny line. It's like, oh, like, so you're saying he's like a eunuch now, or like, what is the deal? We then go to a video interview with Stan Hansen, and he's holding this small little pumpkin, which he says represents. Little old Lexi. It's good. It's funny. He then proceeds to spit tobacco onto it. The chew's hanging out the mouth. Gross. Yeah. Everything. I don't get it. Why wasn't um, there a, like, you know Big League Chew, right? Yeah. There would have been great. If, like, Stan Hansen stuck around the WCW long enough, if they did, like, because like, they had the baseball. It was always, like, a cartoony baseball guy. But Stan Hansen, Big League Chew, and it's bubble gum, and it tastes like bubble gum, but it's brown. Ugh, I love it. You don't like that? It's not good marketing? Gross. Kids like gross stuff. Chew is just gross. Oh, yeah, it's really gross. So we're headed off to our ninth match of Stan Hansen versus Lex Luger for the NWA United States Heavyweight Championship. And as Hansen comes out, he starts destroying the stage. And Stan comes out with pyro, like legit flames. Like, it's cool. As the match starts, Stan tries to get the upper hand on Luger to start. But right hands and a Lex back elbow gets fireworks that come down. By the way, I like the I like talking about pyro. Sorry, that's okay. That back elbow puts Hanson on the floor to regroup. Back in the ring, Stan with an eye poke, chops a snapmare, elbow drop, throws Lex to the floor and follows out with an axe handle. He then rams the total package into the ring post before rolling back into the ring. Lex catches Hansen with a knee and a body slam, but Stan with a kick and a knee to knock Luger down. Hansen's wearing Lex down with a side headlock. Irish whips him to the corner and charges in, but Luger moves and Stan goes over the ropes to the floor. I have this like weird vibe from this match where I feel like Stan Hansen is used to just yelling curse words out in Japan or whatever, and here he's like trying to hold back, but I just feel like in his face I can just hear him just like yelling curse words. And I don't think we get a curse word out of them. Like, rarely do you get, like, close enough to the guys to really hear them say stuff clearly. But sometimes you'll hear, like, a single F-bomb or something like that. But it seems like they kind of went in there on purpose. But I feel like Stan Hansen is just, like, holding back, ranting and raving. The two men are start brawling on the outside until they find their way back into the ring for Lex to hit a hip toss. Multiple elbow drops and goes for the cover for a two count. Hansen with a headbutt to the gut. Snap suplex, elbow drop for a near fall of his own. Stan with a body slam, a knee drop, and has complete control until Luger starts firing back. But a headbutt and a bulldog by Hansen gets another two count. We've been getting a lot of bulldogs recently in 1990. I like it. Bulldog's always a fun move. Yeah, I just feel like the, the bulldog count has gone up. Lex fires up again, getting Stan to the corner for mounted punches. But Hansen escapes with a slam. Stan with a body slam and comes off the second rope for an elbow drop, but the total package moves. 
Luger with right hands, a drop kick, axe handles to the back, body slams, elbow drop, vertical suplex, or a near fall. Lex goes for an Irish whip, but Hanson reverses and follows in with a clothesline. Keeps the attack on in the corner, where the ref is trying to stop him, so he receives a back elbow to knock him down. Luger then runs out of the corner with a clothesline to take Hanson to the mat. All of a sudden, dangerous Danny Spivey's at ringside. What? Tosses the cowbell to Stan before returning to the dressing room. Dan Spivey. Well, I know this from not this show or whatever, but Dan Spivey, like when he left uh, WCW, because we're like, oh, where'd he go? Uh, he also uh, went out to Japan. Mm-hmm. So he was a big boy in Japan. So it makes sense that he's here for Stan. Just that the Americans are like, you know, they're probably like, oh, it's that guy from like a year and a half ago. Remember him? It's that guy from the skyscrapers. Yeah, the skyscrapers, the Twin Towers, whatever. The large, Twin Towers is different. That's WWF, but yeah. skyscrapers, same thing. Hanson has the bell wrapped around his hand to throw a big punch, but Lex back body drops Stan. The total package with a face plan of Hanson goes for a clothesline, but Stan hits the lariat for the pin and, and the win. win. And new. Were you ready for that to happen? It came out of nowhere. Which, it was cool that it happened, but I was just like, kind of like, oh wait, what? I feel like that it could have been a little bit more dramatic title change. It felt really like, I was happy that it happened and it was cool and surprising, but it wasn't, there there wasn't really any high drama. I felt like the match just kind of got going. It was like, we're, we're going, we're going up. Keep going. going. Yeah, Keep, yeah. We're building, we're building, we're building, we're building. And then it's just like, okay, we're done. Yeah, yeah. It's like the Lariat, like, this match could have had, like, two more minutes. And maybe they could have sold, like, him trying to do the Lariat and, like, Lex, like, ducking out or getting away from it. And the commentary team, like, selling the Lariat. Like, oh, if he takes that, he's donezo or whatever. Yeah. Something. But it was just, like, a little too quick. It was still cool. I liked it. But it just kind of felt out of nowhere. So Lex Luger had held the United States Championship for 523 days. That's a lot. That's 17 months, and it was the longest reign ever. Can like even even to do... 2020, the oh, longest well, reign I'm... ever for a United States champion. Oh, okay. Just in like in United States wrestling. United States Championship. Well, yeah, that, but see, like, that, that one but this belt. is this is the same belt that ends up in the in WWF. the WWF. So yeah, yeah, just this one particular belt. I was like, yeah. there's other U.S. title belts. Yes, but Tony Schiavone's then on the stage with Teddy Long, and Teddy Long says, "This is the first time he says it, right?" Yeah. Oh, it's good. One he thing. Nails it. One thing I want everybody to know is, homie, don't play that. And you know what that word is? I don't know what that word. I don't is. either. I was like waiting for it. Uh, did he get that from? In Living Color? Yeah. I don't know when In Living Color started. I don't know when In Living Color started either. But, um, you know, maybe In Living Color got it from him. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know uh, how the Waynes feel about wrestling. Oh, I mean, Teddy Long. Who doesn't love Teddy Long? And then he keeps going, I've proved to everybody that Doom is the meanest, toughest, baddest tag team in the world. And no more title shots for the Horsemen. Good. It's smart. I bet they get another one real soon. Probably. Are they going to get a, a tag match in a cage? Which will make me angry. But I don't care as long as Doom wins. JR and Paulie are then joined by Missy Hyatt. 
And Missy just grabs the mic and says she made the prediction first of Sid Vicious winning. Yep, it's fun. Paulie's on the phone the whole time. He's on his like big Zach Morris Zach Morris phone. phone, yeah. So then we're headed off to our 10th match, the main event of our evening. Sid Vicious versus Sting for the NWA World Heavyweight WWE Championship. Champion. Vicious is announced from anywhere he darn well pleases. Which is... It's funny, but at the same time... That's wrestling, baby. Do you think Sid would ever say darn? No. <laughs> he would have said the words that Stan Hansen was holding back. <laughs> Pretty much. And I thought that I thought that Stan and Lex got pyro. But Sting mm, gets the real pyro. He gets the real pyro. And the real pop. He's Sting, and he gets the real fucking pop. Like, is this the first NWA, like face champion we've seen so they're like ah oh, i finally get to cheer somebody with I mean, the gold i guess ron garvin was champion for a little bit but we didn't even see that he's was just fucking, he's fucking ron garvin so who fucking cares yeah so i mean this is the first guy that was probably like super over yeah to be face champion uh uh-huh. it was one of those things like i would have liked to see lex get his chance but they fucked that up already and it's a little too late yeah and like seeing even with the injury, like it's like uh like minus this black scorpion thing. <laughs> like, yeah, Sting fucking rules. Even with the black scorpion thing, he He still rules. rules. I mean, yeah, but it's just it would have been nice if he had a better first challenger. His run was marred by not having many good challengers. Yeah, it's like, yo, where the fuck Cause, is Steamboat? Cause, Where's Steamboat? But he's not gonna face Steamboat because Steamboat's a Face. Bring Steamboat back as a heel. We could never believe Steamboat. Exactly. Is a heel. Steamboat is a family man. That's the thing. That's, he's got that's a the, he's got a, a little a, a little a little boat to take care of. Problem that WWF had. There was no heels because Hogan destroyed them all. Yeah. Here, the only heel there really was that was over was Flair. But they you, did, can't yeah, just, well they, you can't just because keep having. They Flair. had they had too many tag teams and they didn't have enough of them stick around for a long time. Like yo, like have doom be big bads for a long time and then have something happen to where a face comes off and break off like butch reed or ron simmons <sighs> be a great 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 big nasty heel barely talks teddy long does all of it for him <sighs> people would hate him who knows i love happen. i love it in my mind might happen at some point sorry sorry for fantasy booking so the two men of Sid Vicious and Sting start taunting each other in the middle of the ring, and then Sting turns to the crowd to get them going, allowing yeah. Sid to hit him from behind. It's pretty funny and was really obvious, but I still loved it. The Stingers toss to the ropes, ducks a clothesline, and comes back with a crossbody. But Vicious catches him to deliver a backbreaker, but Sting no-sells it. He's no-selling earlier than Hogan. Crazy. <laughs> Stinger with kicks takes Sid down with a single-leg takedown. And goes for the figure four, but Vicious makes his way out to the ring to break the momentum. It's weird that Singer does a figure four, but I guess it's because it's Vicious? Kind of, probably. Yeah, it's like, oh, like trying to like kind of mess with him, maybe? Back in, Sid rakes the eyes, goes for a clothesline, but Sting ducks, and Vicious gets dumped to the outside. Stinger follows out, slams his head on the guardrail, mm. but Sid with a thumb to the eye and tries for a bulldog but is shoved into the ring post. I love this difference between faces and heels where it's like Sting slams Sid's head into the guardrail, but Sid still gets the best of him by sticking his thumb inside. <laughs> it's like steel versus, you know, a really large man's thumb. 
Back in the ring, Vicious with an Irish whip charges in, but Sting moves for Sid to hit chest first. Stinger locks on an arm bar, but Vicious kicks out of it and takes Sting down with a headlock that is reversed into a head scissors, but Sid kips up and takes the Stinger down with a clothesline. Incredible. How Sequence. Big is, how big is Vicious? Like 6'9", 280? He's the whole truck. He's a, he's a dually. Good lord. Vicious starts choking Sting, tosses him to the ropes, but the Stinger comes back with a sunset flip. But Sid stays up and punches down. Mm, stay up, punch down. That's my, uh, my like, hate breed lyrics. You know hate breed? Uh, not very well. <laughs> but then stands there too long, so Sting is able to finish the roll-up for a two-count. But Vicious is right back up with a clothesline. And then everyone's favorite move, the trap, trap hold. hold. <sighs> I can't give it the energy you gave it. By Sid. Yeah. Trap hold on Sting. He's got traps. Doesn't have Sid traps. I feel like if you're gonna trap hold, they better have like traps that go up to the back of their earlobe. Sting finally escapes, goes for an Irish whip, but vicious reverse and hits a power slam and goes right back to choking. The stinger reverses an Irish whip, goes for the stinger splash, but Sid has it scouted and moves out of the way. Clubbing forearms across the chest by vicious starts to celebrate, allowing Sting to climb to the top rope, coming off with a flying crossbody. But a kick out at one. Hell yeah. And Sid hits a double axe handle to take the stinger back down. That kick out at one. Mmm. Mmm. I love, I love a kick out at one. More vicious offense. Clothesline on the apron. Chin locks. Snapmare. Running elbow drop. But Sting moves and goes for an elbow drop of his own. But Sid moves. Bum, a bum, flurry bum. of kicks. A running face slam by the stinger. And starts running the ropes, but runs right into a big boot. Clothesline, body slammed by Vicious on the rampway, and Sig goes back to the ring to celebrate. Sting then runs back to the ring, leaping over the ropes to hit a flying clothesline. And then a standing drop kick to send Vicious to the floor, mm. where he follows out with, a with Pescado. Pescado. I always want to call it a, a plancha. I get them always mixed with There's both P's. But... This is like that walkway. That walkway is so good. When people use it right, it is incredible. And it's one of those things like if I was in the undercard in tag matches, I would just want to use it. And I don't know if they talk to each other or not, but they don't overuse it on the shows we've seen it so far. But when it does get used, it gets used in an incredible way. Like the rocket launcher. The rocket launcher on the rampway. Yeah, Yeah, it's like this rampway is so great. When it gets, when it, yeah, like they're not spamming it, they're letting it get used to the right spot. And this is like a perfect example of how cool it is. And then not only is it cool, but then Sting goes out the other side of the ring to the floor with a Pescado. The two men start brawling on the floor, but they're not going up the entryway. They're headed back towards the dressing room when Flair and Anderson show up to start yelling at the ref. Yeah. All of a sudden, Sting and Vicious are back in the ring, and Sid misses a clothesline. The Stinger picks him up for a body slam, but Vicious falls on top of him for the pin and And the the win. What the fuck? And new! I lost my fucking mind. Fireworks are going off. Yeah, dude. It's like full celebration. Sid is celebrating. Looks like the Tokyo Dome in this 8,000-person arena. 
when Sting comes back out to the ring with the rope tied around him. Wait, that wasn't Sting? Wait, that is, this is Sting? The other Sting wasn't Sting? The Stinger climbs back into the ring. Sting was tied up in the back? The ref Hashtag goes, LOL? Okay, the match's not over. Restart. Wait, uh, wait. Vicious tries to mm-hmm. hit him with the big gold belt, but yeah. misses. Yeah, Sting Stinger with right hands. Nails Sid with the belt. Hits the Stinger splash. Splash. Rolls him up with an inside cradle for the pin. One, two, three. And the win. Ding, ding, ding. Winner Sting? Question mark? Question mark? JR explains that it obviously wasn't Sting in the ring. And I'm like, it looked like Sting to me. How do you know this? Yeah. Maybe he was on the other side where he could see Sting's face. And then they show video footage. And it's obviously not Sting. <laughs> the video footage. He doesn't have the rat tail. And he's bigger. And he has all the makeup on his face. But they also do a good job of not showing his face. And then you see the, the on the video package, you see the two Stings cross paths. Oh, do you? I didn't catch that. On the way back to the dresser. As the mm-hmm. real Sting is coming out... The fake sting after he's taken the loss. Oh yeah, is runs walking away. Back. Why? You know, if he wait, so the real sting's coming back, back out, and with the other the one took the loss. If the other one took the loss, why didn't he just? If they're running past, he grabs the real. I mean, this is me just you know doing what would happen in real life, not uh, the amazing work sport of wrestling. He just grabs real sting, and takes him back. What are they gonna do? He just he clotheslines the other sting as they cross paths. And then he puts him in his trunk and murders him. So, <laughs> the fake sting was Barry Windham. Ah. Barry our fifth Windham, horseman. Our fourth horseman. Fifth exactly. horseman. Our fourth. Ole's not really I know. He's the, he's the booker man. He's, this is his fault. <laughs> so, the way they produced this for TV... Pretty good. ...was good. Because... I, they tricked me. Legit tricked the me. the fake sting came out... You never saw his face. They went to a wide shot, uh-huh. and you couldn't like the ever cam. really tell that it was a fake sting. And then they did the full—they did the full fireworks and like the celebration, which that's when I was like, when I was like, that's what got me, because I was like, no way. I was like, and then when they started to do all the fireworks, that's when I was like, oh no, did they really do that? Did they really do that? But that, then, I think that was the trigger. But then they didn't do a good job because they didn't properly explain why the ref would restart the match no the ref like it would have made more sense because i think randy anderson one of the the other ref Mm -hmm. like comes out with the real sting like if he had jumped up on the apron and been like hey 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 you know like they might have been they made a bigger they they may have had bigger bigger plans there may have been there may have been an edit there may have been time issues on what we watched Yeah, yeah who knows exactly but the way that we watched it, yeah. there was a little bit of confusion still, that we couldn't yeah. even figure out. Still not th- that bad. I feel like the, the smarter thing to do is Sid comes back, and then like he's like, hey, that wasn't me. And then, and then Vicious still has the belt, and then Sting uses tape later on weekly shows to prove that it wasn't the deal. And then you put him in a cage, baby. Then you put him in a cage, that- baby. But that's I, the difference I between think, production. I think that would have been amazing. You are correct. They probably should have just kept the belt on Sid. Oh, uh, it would have been great. And had the baby face chasing. You know how how much bigger how like how much more hot that would make Sting. Like exactly. he's hot now, but that would make Sting incredibly hot. Where it's like he got screwed over. But then in the match where they 
legitimately have a good reason for a cage here. And the cage stays down, and he pins Luger clean in, like, a 30-minute fucking gauntlet like of, like, him just getting beat down forever. Ugh, I'm getting H-A-R-D thinking about it. JR says his goodbyes as Polly is di- disagreeing with what just happened, thinking that Sid should still be champion. Yeah, yeah. He's doing and, his good job. And then we get credits over that animated scary house that we uh, saw at the very beginning. It's spooky. So, Michael Temple. Yeah? What are your overall thoughts of Halloween Havoc 1990? Oh, it's fun. It's so much better than the last Halloween Havoc. Where we had a really bad cage match with like spiders and cobwebs. All right, so there's like a couple of really good tag matches on this show. I am in love with Nasty Boy Steiner, and I honestly like Doom versus the Horsemen maybe more than you. I don't know. I don't know. How do you feel about that one? I liked Doom and Horsemen until the very, very end. The finish of that match bummed me out. Oh, because, I liked it. I mean, I know Flair's not going to take the pin. I, I get that. But the thing is, is that Arn and Simmons are brawling on the outside. Yeah. Flair and Reed are in the ring. Mm-hmm. Flair puts Reed down with some move. And then Flair's just like, I'm going to go help Double A. And that's how they all end up outside the ring. It's one of the things, like, if the two, if, like, the two guys that were legal... We're on the outside, and they started brawling really hard. And then the other two guys were in the ring, and they were brawling really hard. But it doesn't matter. But who the pins. ref just continues to count them out because he can't That'd count out. Yeah, that, yeah, that would be that would be better. But that would be a better way. But I still think everything up until that finish, and I don't have a problem with the finish. I agree. I really, really like the everything up until the finish. I really it, enjoy. It's one of those things. Like I obviously like Doom a lot, but it's like man, like this is. Yeah, this is the kind of... It's weird, because NWA is so... I'm so hot and cold with the tag matches. Because, like, sometimes they're good, but they're too long. But this is, is like, obviously the best tag match wrestling we're probably ever going to fucking see. Probably. Like, just in general, it's like, they are just killing it with it. They have the best tag teams. And they're actually, like, trying to book the tag teams. As long as they're not named Master Blasters. No, no. But at least those kind of serve a purpose. But they're, like, trying to... Book, they're booking angles and stuff that like mostly make sense, and they have a wide variety of tag teams. Honestly, their singles competition is what's lacking. Well, yeah, it's completely lacking, at which this is point. really weird because they did, they don't build any feuds other than for the belts at this point. Yeah, there's no like undercard like they could have a tournament or thing. Well, they try to do that Pillman thing, but it's like where's Pillman? Like, but like, yeah, but they, not like, even on it could card. be a th- it could have been a thing where it's like oh. Like, if Pillman was higher on the, like, ranking than Sid. Like, let's... I know we've done a lot of fantasy booking here, but, like, it's easy to do. And it's also kind of fun. Like, what if, for some reason, Pillman was higher in the rankings than Lex Luger? So what if they do this ranking thing? What if, for some weird reason, that we can justify with, like, rankings, with, like, uh, wins and losses, or maybe even a uh, Burger King poll? That people like you know write on their tray at the Burger King and then turn in. It could be anything. But what if for some reason in this in this poll, in this ranking, Pillman is higher than Sid. So Pillman gets somehow a match with Sting. So you have this big Pillman Sting match, and they like Pillman is just flying everywhere. 
He's with Sting, who can also uh, work. And Sid is pissed because Sid is bigger and has a reason to believe that he deserves it more. So Sid interferes, and then we and then we start and then we start that feud or whatever. It's like why can't like because Pillman's basically a singles man here too. It's like we can drag this on longer and get the like the bigger guy and then you have these like smaller things and you can have like your yeah you pull tom zink into it you can do weird stuff i feel like that they still have a couple of guys where they could be pushing them up that are still like I mean, they basically have pillman and zink in the tag team division even though they haven't tagged and yeah they'll have singles with old guys or whatever but pillman's like over enough and they could have a an angle where they just schmoz it up to where it's like oh like the rankings, he's higher and up enough than Sid, and so he'll be, like, there's just weird, a lot of things, it's all hindsight. But, like, Sting versus Pillman, but with Sid coming in to break up at the end after, like, a crazy awesome match, that sounds great, right? I'd rather have a clean finish. But you're not going to get the clean finish, because that's why, that's where the heat between, with Sid comes up real big, you drop Pillman back down, and he shows up later. Actually, if you want to fantasy book cool this, wouldn't it have made more sense? Oh, yeah, this doesn't make sense. This is just things that I w- think would have been more better than you know, like black mask. knowing that the Black Scorpion is still around. Black Scorpion, not Black Mask. Would, That's like a DC character, I yeah. think. Wouldn't it have made more sense for Black Scorpion to be involved in the finish of this match somehow? Oh yeah, I was very surprised that he wasn't. Because, spoiler alert, he faces Sting at the next pay per view. Oh, I'm so bummed. So it's just like, why not use Black Scorpion? I mean, you could... I mean, if maybe on TV it comes out that Black Scorpion is what... If it hadn't been Barry Windham, which I don't know if they ever announced that it was Barry Windham other than like... Yeah, years, we, just know years, who, we just know who was under it because of, hind, because because of, of hindsight. Because of hindsight, yeah. So maybe they didn't announce that it was Barry Windham. And so we don't know that the horseman... We actually don't have it. the internet. We just learned this all from our shoot video DVD collection. Exactly. <laughs> But what if it was Black Scorpion? It comes out that Black Scorpion is the one that like kidnapped Sting and sent and yeah sent out. You know that would make more well, sense. Well, yeah, that does make more sense. But I, you I would was think, think I was kind of that, that would be something that they would try and tell on the pay per view. Yeah, well. definitely. I was kind of taking the Black Scorpion thing out of it and mostly fantasy booking for my own brain, where I'm like, oh. But they do this this ranking thing, and I'm like, ooh, I like that. I like the wins and losses I thing. I bet we never see this ranking thing ever again. We never will, but I like it in theory. And I think that it would have been a really cool way to do a few... I mean, basically, Black Scorpion is a problem. We'll leave it at that. But this almost was good. And it wasn't that bad. So, my thoughts... I wrote these down right after watching... The main event. Oh, I have my and, and the craziness. Uh huh. And I was like, I am not happy with this show. Really? Because that dumb finish for this match just made me mad. I was like, the Hanson finish came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. The Horseman Doom finish was dumb. Oh, give that one a break. But looking back, three of the four tag matches. Were fun mm-hmm. because I mean even even I, I, I said just a few minutes ago the the Horseman Doom match I thought was a good match until the finish and thankfully this show was edited down on the network so yeah, there, like... th- those four matches that we didn't have to watch were probably very boring yeah 
So what I would say is definitely watch that nasty, nasty boy Steiner's match. Love it. Unless you really want to see some really bad booking, and then you can watch the main event. I this book the you can't tell me anything positive out of this main event booking. No, but if like Vicious had kept the belt, yeah, and then I, Sting comes out. I think the match was pretty good, and then but the the thing is they got me, but they did they like they did they too did much. get me yeah, which was they incredible. But there's no reason for Sting to come back out, and yeah. then they don't explain why they restart the match. Why? No. No, Sid, the, Sid should be the champion. I would say the cardinal sin here. I am is with a, I am with Paul E on this. Sid should, should be, be the, the champion. champion. Well, and at the next pay per view, Sid well, versus Sting the, again. The thing is, is Sting should not have came out of the back. I'm okay with Sting coming back out. He's fine if he comes back, but not. You can't restart the match. You can't restart the match. Yeah. You you come back out and Sid's all celebrating and like oh. and and the ref's like, wait, why are you he- you. What, what about like, what about you? Uh, you have Nick Patrick because Nick Patrick is pretty good at doing facial. He's oh a, yeah, he's, he's a good, good ref. Yeah. He's a good ref. What about you having do the like? What's going on? Like both or both stings. That's yeah. what you do. Is the fake sting is left laying in the ring. Yeah, and then the real sting comes out yeah. to make it more obvious. Well, we, yeah, that yeah. there are two stings, and yeah. that's when the ref goes, "Why are there two stings?" And then and then you and then you like cut to the credits with the with the with them yelling with with, the, with, with Sid the, celebrating Sid celebrating and then like Paul Heyman being like yes I mean, yes if, and if, if they want or even if you if you don't want to put the belt on Sid still have the fake Sting laying in yeah. the ring when the but, real okay. Sting comes out and that makes it more obvious to everybody if you were like seven or there seven eight stings. ten when you watched this you would have been like and you were like a big WCW guy you would have still you would have fucking lost your mind you'd be like oh my. But you know, we're not seven or eight. I'm. I get it. Yeah, but it still made no sense. It made some sense. They tried something and they did get me. So I can't. That's pretty impressive. From where we've come from, Matthew, that's still kind of impressive. We didn't get mat, match finishes on Starcade One, on Starcade Eighty Three. We are now. 40 plus episodes in and we're still getting endings to matches where we don't understand it. That's wrestling. I kind of got this one. I don't know. I'm not as down on it as you are because they they got me. It's like you got me, man. You got me. It's like I can't be that mad at you if you got me. Touche is kind of the way I feel about it. It's like touche. Can't win them all. You tried something and you had me for a second. Could have been better. Everything could always be. Good, Where, where's the smart marks at? Alright, fuck you. I think it's time we smark it up. Oh, what did we just do? Fantasy book ourselves into a hole? Best moments of the night. When Sting showed back up. <laughs> the molten lava tag between... Oh, man. With the Steiners and the Nasty Boys. That was beautiful. I need to start writing uh, my... Taking my thoughts, because I handwrite my notes... And like my thoughts for each match, and be like the name of the match, and then my immediate thoughts afterwards, so I don't have to like flip back through. So I can be like, oh yeah. So whenever we do this segment, I can just be like, yeah, man. Here they are. Here's my thoughts on this one, and I liked this because I wrote it with the ink was darker because my hand was heavy because I was excited. I mean, the opening match between Ricky Morton, Rich, and the Midnight Express. It was a fun match. Yeah. 
the end the ending of that match didn't bother me even no. with the Southern Boys coming out. I, I thought it was still fun. Unfortunately, you know it's Midnight Express last last go around, which is sad. Yeah, it really is. That's a little bit of a huge. I wouldn't say a little bit. I'd say a huge bummer. I didn't know that that was the case, but I knew Cornette is was leaving the ship soon, just because of you know wrestling things that I know. Honestly, Steiner match incredible, but that Doom Four Horsemen match is way up there for me. It might be as good or better to the Steiner match. For me, There's, in a weird way, I in, know in, in my in my world, I was that match can it. never be better because of the finish. <laughs> yeah, I know, but I'm a little bit less less hard on finishes just because we've been seeing these for so long, and I know it's one of those things like you should know better, but it's like, oh well, that's just the mentality of like booking There's and stuff. Better ways to do finishes. Al- than... Also, I think that here, there's it's not like. That is one thing that Vince did get thing. right was he became the the hammer. Whereas like there's no real hammer for these well, here, things where they're like the some thing. guys are just like I'm not going over. So like okay, well we'll just do this at the end. These four guys basically call this entire match in the ring. That's what they did back then. It was incredible. But the Booker is the one that tells them what the finish is. So they have to work the match to the finish. But I think that a lot of the times so the finish you you have Ric Flair, you have Arn Anderson you have Ron Simmons. Well, maybe that's Butch an, Reed. maybe that's an issue with calling it in the ring. Is like maybe that it was like oh, this is how it'll work, and then it just didn't work out that way. We don't know, but I had a you blast. Have four guys, I had a blast. You have four guys who know what the fuck I can't even doing. throw a worked kick, Matt. And you tell them, I want a double count. That's so dumb. I, double count out. So dumb. The 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 count. I like our idea about the. The legal guys being on the outside and that the, makes more sense. Well, that's also beautiful. I got that to me. That's like, oh, great. How hard was it for us to think of that finish? It uh, well, I mean, took, I thought about it, it while literally like took us two <laughs> yeah, seconds yeah. to go. Oh, those little legal guys out there, you count them out. While but I think that there was different the different politics and like there was like still some kayfabe, no internet, different time. I get it. It's still, yeah, it's still annoying. How about? Most disappointing moments. Hanson winning the belt on a lariat out of nowhere. Like, that was dumb. Yeah, I really would have liked... I was happy that he won it. I just I don't know if you, I don't know if you can tell, but my... I, I think my... I thought the show was probably an okay show. And now as we're talking about it, I'm just getting more riled up and hating oh, the show really? more. I'm at, like, at least a six. I'm... Like, literally, I'm like... The only match I think that I liked was the Nasty Boy Steiner match. Come on. Every other match had something that I didn't like. Well, yeah, but that happens all the time. You're not going to, there's no, like, perfect matches are rare to non existent. It's about the work sometimes. You didn't, what about, uh, like, the Ricky Morton, Tommy Rich? I, I, I said in my, in yeah. my best moment, I thought yeah. that match was good. That's probably my second I mean, favorite match. Yeah, on the like, show. those are the. Two best matches, but for some reason, I have this weird thing about that Doom Tag match. I don't know why, but for some reason, it really... I think the, the ending I just mean, bugs the hell Sometimes, out. like, I don't know, maybe it's because it's in the past. Like, if this happened tomorrow and I was following wrestling heavily, then maybe I would be like, oh man, fuck. Like, it was so good until that finish, that finish sucked. 
But since it's in the past, I'm a little bit more forgiving of things in the past. Maybe. I, I mean, obviously, it is I not better than I the Steiners or the I, Ricky Morton match, but for some reason, there's something really charming to it about me. Should, could be great. And yeah. the, just one little thing just makes them go from, from good to just like non-existence in, I mean, they're making, in they're, my realm. This might sound stupid, but like they're making movies in live. Most of the time, a good movie, a lot of, the, a lot of it is uh, just the editing of the film alone that like can take a good movie to being that's a bad true. movie. You can't edit a wrestling match. So it's really that's there's something magic about getting any high moments. So that being said, there's two great matches on here. There's one that I really love that Matt doesn't. And uh, Sid is your new world champion. Sid should be the world champion. Yes, he should be. That would be so good. I just can't believe that they didn't use that to like boost Sting up. How do you fight your Hogan and your Warrior? You do a really good... You do you do this finish really well. So when Sting... When you fucking sell Sting being so also, pissed... Also, on those lines, if Vicious is the world champion... Then there's this like conflict in the horsemen a little bit. Yes. Because Flair has been the world champion this yes. entire time. So now yes. you can start turning either mm. vicious or flair oh my face. God. Oh my god. So good. You, there's you, so many things they could do <laughs> if Vicious had won this belt. I'm not I'm mad, but like they always fuck stuff up. That's just wrestling, maybe. That's just wrestling. My head is in my hand <laughs> because of the because you just came up with good shit. Yeah, and I thought my Pillman take was at least like oh was like goodness. at least that's something you could do. Oh my goodness, there's yeah. so many things they could do. And you know what? You know what didn't need to be in any of it? Well, I guess the black mask kind of set up the black suit. scorpion. Black, I keep saying black mask, black scorpion thing, kind of set up the double sting thing. I mean, not if kind they, of. It totally did, it, but it did. But the it. black, but the black scorpion thing didn't need to be there for the sting thing. The sting thing just straight up could have happened, and if they did it right, everybody would have been like, "Oh my god," and they would have been so mad because this guy is so big and he cheated so hard. And in a shoot fight, there's no way that Sid Vicious is not murdering Sting because Sting is not like an armbar champion. Best performer of the night. Uh, Scott Steiner. Yeah, I mean Scott Steiner. Scott Steiner had a m- match against Doom by himself. Just the babyface in peril, and uh, then he, that was the, some of the best babyface in peril I think we've seen up until this point from the show, like '83 to right now. Some of the best babyface in I mean, peril. There's been some Ricky Morton stuff that's been oh, really good. It's great, but this, this one this is very close. This one was because I think the crowd was is so hot. And because the thing is, the guy on the outside is still, like, the original Steiner. So, like, him being tagged in is, like, extra hot in a weird way. How about most surprising? You know what what kind say? of question is that? Ric Flair being in a tag match. Oh. I think the most surprising thing to me was, I almost called him Lex Luger, Sid Vicious winning the belt. I mean, that would have that been was, surprising I, if he had won. But no, but like me watching the show, that was the most surprising because I thought he actually won for a second. Because they did, they it was shot really well on the camera. It was. That's that, uh, that, that might are, be a surprising thing. That, is that, that yeah? They that actually, was they actually did actually pretty good TV production on 
on that. Yeah. So it was hard to tell, but then they should have gone to a way of, but then it it's not surprising that they didn't. Well, they should have showed it again it to where it's where it's where you show it again slow mo, and you're like, oh, that's not Sting. There's no rat tail. He's bigger, and then Sting comes out while he's celebrating or whatever, and Sting doesn't really have any babyface friends, does he? Luger. Okay. Dudes with attitude. I mean, he had the okay. dudes with attitude. Well, let's just say Sting is like, what the fuck, blah 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 blah, like like coming out from being like tied up or whatever, and then the rest of the four horsemen come and just start hammering on his back credits roll oh my god that wasn't sting so many that things. wasn't sting so many things it wasn't sting they hit him with they hit him with a chair he blades he goes off the air with a gusher <laughs> like I'm taking it too far but you know what i mean if you like blood outside of a match uh talk about heat he blades at the end of a match he lost but he didn't truly lose now for a look back even further into the history of wrestling. The Dusty Finish. Harley Race had held the title for less than two months when he was presented with the 10 pounds of gold version of the NWA World Heavyweight Championship on July 20th, 1973 in Houston, Texas. Jack Briscoe would immediately challenge for that belt the same night and win to become the 12th man to hold the title. Whew. Jack Briscoe, born in Blackwell, Oklahoma in 1941, grew up a fan of Luthez and professional wrestling. He would go on to Oklahoma State and become the first Native American to win an NCAA wrestling championship, as he was never taken down his entire senior year. He would move into the professional ranks in 1965, winning regional titles wherever he went. Jack and his brother Gerald would tag together and have a multi-year feud with Dory and Terry Funk. Jack Briscoe was supposed to face Dory Funk Jr. for the world championship, but Harley Race would win it before they could face each other. But after Briscoe became champ, he would tour NWA territories across the world facing top name after top name. He would hold the title for 500 days until he met a giant in Japan. Bum bum bum. Man. What's crazy about Jack and uh, Gerald, Jerry Briscoe, is that they were tagging in 65. That's crazy. But what's crazier is they were tagging against Dory and Terry Funk, who have never retired, where, like, <laughs> have, like, been off and on and, like, consistently working, whereas Jack and uh, Jerry have not wrestled seriously professionally in a long time. Like, 20 years. More than that, like even I mean, when they, they were, even they, they were even, the Stooges. They yeah, did but some they like stuff, they, yeah, but it was, it was very minuscule. I don't yeah. count that at all. That's just like, I mean, they were done probably all the time wrestling by the late eighties. Oh yeah, but I mean, they were had nothing to do with any of WWF wrestling at all. Like in, I ring. mean, they were working for WWF. Yeah, they were working for them, but they weren't on WrestleMania or no. like any of that stuff. Like they've been, they they slid out of. To like wrestling into like production yeah, or whatever, like yeah, like they. Whereas Terry and Dory Funk are wrestlers, or maybe they're bad with money. I mean, money. Dory's Dory's doing management for Japan, but he wrestles occasionally. I think his last yeah. match was in twenty seventeen. Oh really? So it has. It's been. A but it's one of those things like they can't hang it up. But maybe they also, uh, you know, didn't get in good with the 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 maniac money man that is 
the sports entertainment genius question mark Vince exactly. McMahon. Exactly. Like, not a question mark, like, obviously. Next week, we have the Survivor Series uh, 1990. Do you think I'll be able to survive this one? I hope so. We, we traditionally don't enjoy the Survivor Series. I shit on it so hard. And all I can hope for is it not... To be somewhat entertaining. Yeah, I just, I just want it to not drag, where I'm just like, ugh. I just have to care a little bit. That's true. That's all. So, that being said, find out if we give a shit about Survivor Series 1990. I have high hopes. Not high hopes. High-er hopes than the last couple. So I feel like that there's been a couple Survivor Series, so they probably know or have an idea about what works and what doesn't. The music from this week's episode is the theme song from Halloween Havoc. And once again, Sting kept the belt, so his theme music is Turbo Ugh, still don't know what it sounds like. It sounds like this right here. Let me, let me turn it up in my headphones. <laughs> you can always rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts at. Tell everyone you know about us. Maybe someone will mm-hmm. like us. Yeah. Slide into JR's DMs. Tell him about your football accomplishments. Oh, he, yeah. He might put you over on TV. You can email us <laughs> at WrestlingHistoryX at gmail.com, or you can always find us on Twitter at WrestlingHistoX. That's Wrestling H-I-S-T-O-X. We'll talk to you next week.